Hi everyone, this is Inside Dance with Taylor and Alex. Featuring your hosts, Taylor Bradley and Alex Yankovich. Yeah, every day we're just out here. Hello, hello everyone and welcome back to Inside Dance with Taylor and Alex. You guys are in store for an incredible episode this week. We are joined by a fabulous friend of ours, Mr. Kenny Borchard, who is the current co-director of Joffrey, Texas, as well as a spearheading founder of Cultivating Better Tomorrow. So definitely stick around. You won't want to miss all of the great knowledge, great stories, great tidbits that he has to share. Um, But before we get into that, first of all, we're in line for celebration. Alex, do you know why? I don't. <laughs> oh, wait, I'll give yes, you I a hint, know. Alex. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a hint. We've been doing this for, I don't know, since November. So do the math. That's like 10 months. And in those 10 months, we've been working hard to bring all of you guys, our listeners, some amazing content, some what I think are some pretty beneficial episodes, but this episode in particular is pretty special. Do you know why? Have I sparked your imagination? Have I reminded you? Why is it, Alex? At first, I thought you were going to say Halloween is coming up, but- um, Which is also room for celebration because it's my favorite holiday in the world. Same. Um, But no, this is our 40th episode, you guys. 40th episode, air horn effect, beer, 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 beer. That was a dog. That was, okay. Alex just barked. Well, that's cool. No, um, yeah, this is our 40th episode, guys. And so we just want to take a minute, first of all, just to say thank you, because um, I say it often, but if it's not for you, it's just me and Alex hanging out and catching up, which isn't so bad either. But we're really grateful for all the support, likes, reviews, comments, uh, emails, anyway, sharing stories on Instagram. I can't explain how beneficial that is for us um, in growing our audience. So a big thank you, thank you from myself, from Alex, from everyone at Inside Dance. We really appreciate you. We love you guys. This this is so much fun. And I, it's crazy how many, like this past year, I've met so many new people just in general, but even just through the podcast, our circle expanding, it's just incredible. I feel so lucky to A, do this with you, which is so much fun. And B, just be able to meet all these people and like make these actual genuine connections with people. And we can always reach out to them again, which is amazing. I feel like I'm not, I'm not used to that. Like, I feel like it was just always part of like my job structure to meet people, but now it's like, it just is like, I don't know, it's adding to everything that we do. And I love it. Well, and it's so fun to see the parallels in all like, okay, what do all of these successful people in our industry have in common? And it's crazy because there's so many commonalities, both in what they believed that led to their success and commonalities in what they considered kind of a setback or a failure. So if this is your first episode, guess what? You got homework, 39 episodes to go (laughs) catch up on um, available, obviously where you're listening now, Spotify, Apple Music, and all streaming platforms. So Let's make sure real quick, grab your phone, get your social media out, open up that Instagram app. Give us a follow at Inside Dance Podcast. Also, be sure to follow our sponsors and partners over at Inside Dance Magazine. You can find them at Inside Dance Mag. Since we're celebrating 40, I'm going to go ahead and plug us in there. My beautiful best friend, co-host Alex, you can find her at Alex Yonk. That's Y-O-N-K. And then you can find my dance Instagram at 
T Brad Corio. Uh, so yeah, share some love. Give us a follow. We'll follow back. Let's be friends. Last but not least, if you have any comments, thoughts, suggestions, feedback in any way, shape, or form, please give us an email at insidedancepodcast at gmail.com. Wow, I think that was the fastest I've yes. ever done our housekeeping. So <laughs> clearly I'm over caffeinated this morning. <laughs> we mopped the floor with that. Um <laughs> what's that movie? Fantasia? Fantasia. With the, the where the where the mops where the mops carry the buckets. <laughs> That is absolutely how I clean the house. I'm like, <laughs> I imagine that. Wait, that's so funny. You said my Instagram handle and I laughed because I, I this has happened three times lately. I'll go somewhere, like I'll go take class and someone will come up to me and they'll be like, Alex Yonk? I'm like, oh, oh yeah. I'm like, yeah, like that's yeah, my I'm name. Like, Don't wear it out. <laughs> I'm like, Wait, I'm glad. I'm glad the handle is catching on, and everyone's like, "Yeah, you're Alex Dunk, right?" I'm like, "Sure, yeah." That's you're why. like Ovich, yes, yeah. yes, that is Ovich. I. Yeah. Uh, wait. Also, talking about high, house housekeeping, housekeeping. It was so funny when I was at my brother's wedding. I grabbed my aunt's phone because she listens to the podcast, but she keeps searching "Inside Dance with Taylor and Alex" every time she listens to it. And I was like, "No, you need to add it to your library." Favorite that mother subscribe. Trucker. Yeah, so I like grabbed her phone. I was like typing away, like you're doing it wrong. <laughs> well, <laughs> the the ASMR of your nails. <laughs> yeah, now it's my meditation app coming up. Um, <laughs> is is that the universe saying we should all take a deep yeah. breath? <laughs> Um, but it was so funny. I was like, no, you, you can't search it every time. Like you need to subscribe so that it downloads automatically. Um, You're doing it wrong. That's a tip for everybody out there. Um, but really quickly, we want to dive into our community spotlight for this week. So our lovely guest this week, which is Kenny Borchard, as Taylor said, he is co-founder of Cultivating Better Tomorrows which is a woman, black, and LGBT-owned business with a passion for advancing diversity, equity, and inclusion in the performing arts community. So their team has over 20 years of experience, and they've combined their wealth of knowledge to produce authentic and innovative programming for students, educators, administrators, and professionals. And their specific and creative learning model provides a welcoming place for self-reflection, love self-reflection, um, live for it, uh, here for that, and, here for that and knowledge building. And it's been really impactful for a variety of different organizations. So cultivating better tomorrows, it's dedicated to education within the dance industry. And they have a multitude of resources available, like anti-racism training, guided conversations, community circles, and diversity, equity, and inclusion sessions. Kenny and his co-founders are extremely passionate about this program. And we are so happy to help share that with our listeners. Additionally, uh, Cultivating Better Tomorrows is providing a discount code specifically for our podcast listeners, so you can get 25% off cultural awareness for dance educators with the promo code Inside Dance. So please head over there. I mean, there's a, mil a million resources, and now that they're offering that discount code and there's these tools available to you, there's no excuse not to do it. For those of you who want to hear more info about it, obviously keep listening for our guest interview with Kenny today, and also go to www.cultivatingbettertomorrows.org, as well as their Instagram, at cultivatingbettertomorrows. We will have all of these links in our description below. All right, so we are 40 episodes in, and Alex, let's talk about, did you ever think that we would get to where we are now? Like, not at all. I thought it was going to take me like 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Uh, post-college, post-college. Yeah. But like, um, specifically about the podcast, like any yeah. like oh. expectations, I was like, wow. Did, I mean, 
I, I had a little more faith in us, but <laughs> <laughs> career wise, absolutely. But let's, let's, let's focus in here on the pod. Did you ever have any expectation that 10 months from now we'd be 40 episodes in, like have our rhythm, have our like formula, our guests, we've had fabulous interns. A lot has really come into fruition. What yeah. I'm saying is these expectations that I know we've had an experience in our podcast um, that we're so grateful for. Uh, we are downloaded now in every continent except Antarctica. Penguins, where are you at? Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the, there's been, we kind of set the bar low, for lack mm. of a better term, and we've been so pleasantly surprised um, by the growth that's happened. But now, taking it out of context of the podcast, I want to apply that same conversation to the dance career um, because it's bananas. And I think it's worth addressing. Um, so let me ask you again, Alex, in your dance career, did you ever think that you'd be where you are today? No. <laughs> um, and even like when you throw in a global pandemic in there, like I'm still like very, I'm proud of both of us, you know, like it, it's pretty amazing to come out of And I know the pandemic is still happening, but to be plowing through it and still have this passion for dancing and still, you know, have our eye on the prize. It's just really, it's really, really amazing. But um, now bridging the gap between podcast and dance career, kind of finding those similarities. Well, it's crazy, you know, us doing 40 episodes, it just really shows that we were a committed to it. And then it became something where I, I feel like I felt weird going a week without Right. Without doing anything for this or like doing any research or like trying to find guests and things like that. And I feel like the dance career is kind of that same thing. Like I, I feel like you always have to keep moving forward, no matter what the setbacks are, if it's your passion, if it's not your passion, I mean, then look into other things, but I, it's amazing. Like, I feel like we both of us, both of us constantly move forward. And even with those setbacks, we're just still committed to, to making it work and finding, you know, a, the silver lining, but just, I don't know, realizing it's a part of the journey. And I know that's so, so cheesy to say, but it's crazy. We chose this topic to talk about today because my mom actually sent me an article from um, Interlochen, which is the, work. the arts camp that I used to attend in Michigan. Um, I went there for three years, three summers in the in a row. Wow, can't talk in, in a <laughs> row. <laughs> and um, it was an article about bringing Broadway back and... Um, and this woman was being interviewed. Her name is Kristen Kasky. And the last question that they asked her was, what advice would you give to young artists pursuing careers in theater? So to talking about theater specifically, mm -hmm. but it all can relate back to dance, as, of course. But she says, first, dream big. Second, failure is part of the journey. Embrace it and then move on. I believe that if you want a life in the theater or you can paraphrase dance, you can create it. Ding, ding, ding. Let's go. It might not look exactly as you envisioned it when you were 11, 12, or 13, but you will find the path if you keep going. So I feel like full Yo, circle for what we're talking yeah. about today. The universe really, really brought it home today because that's exactly what I was going to say is that, yes, there's definitely... Also, very proud of us, very proud of anyone that's still got that fire, even if it's been a little bit subdued to like a small flame, you've, you're still burning. And yeah. so congrats. Um, but obviously, none of us ever expected this pandemic. None of us ever expected to take a year off. Um, and I would say I agree um, with that article um, that when I talk to talking about those commonalities of these successful people, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of Katie Tate. I'm thinking of... Um, 
uh, Sarah Davison of Miguel, yes. um, which is all, did you ever think that your career would turn out this way? And all of them were like, no, no. I had no idea for better and for worse till death do we part. But, uh, there's going to be curveballs that you're like, whoa, I didn't realize that that was going to take me there. There's going to be surprise successes too. But I feel like, and I'm speaking more more specifically to my younger high school, college, just about to graduate. I'm speaking to 20-year-old Taylor who was like, I know exactly what I'm going to do and where my life's yes. going to pan out. And it absolutely did it. And I'm so grateful for it. So yeah. the moral of what I'm trying to communicate here is that go with the flow, enjoy the ups and the downs, but nobody's expecting perfection at 25, both in your life or your dance career. So if you're feeling stressed, if you're feeling lost, if you're feeling, what am I going to do with this? Have I made the right choice? Take a deep breath, you know, let your passion, let your reason that you got into this art form and decided to make it your career, let that drive you rather than the anxiety and the fear of, what if, what if, what if all this is going wrong? Yeah. Um, you know, and I think, uh, I feel like we've covered, a, a several resources in these past 39 episodes about how you can do that, how you can shift that, that mental space going from worry. I, I like to say worry is the misuse of imagination. So instead of worrying, retarget that mental energy into how can I prepare? How can I move forward? Um, and I feel like it's going to make your life so much easier um, to get to whatever opportunities the world, the dance career may present to you, which may not be what you expected at all. Uh, absolutely. And I feel like being the control freak that I am, it always, it, it works tenfold, tenfold, twofold. I don't know. On the other Folding. side of the coin. <laughs> <laughs> There's a leaf involved. <laughs> um, I can only control you know, what I do and how I react to things and always presenting your, your, you know, bringing your best foot forward. Like even, you know, going to the uh, Moulin Rouge callback, I didn't feel, of course, I was like a little bummed out that, you know, I didn't book it, but I gave it 150% and there was nothing else I could have done. Like mm -hmm. I gave, you know, the best that I could. And, and if that wasn't what was what they needed, then that's okay. It should almost be kind of a sigh of relief when you've done everything you can, but you can't control the reaction. You can control what you've done, but mm -hmm. you can't control the reaction or the outcome, but that's good. That's a good thing. Like when you well, do your best and you still are, that's literally someone saying this path is not for you right now. It could be later, but like, you're going to go do something else right now. I firmly, firmly believe that, believe that like Example, had you booked that audition, had you moved to New York, you wouldn't have had the opportunity to choreograph a national commercial for Burger King. Right. So like, like you have, it's give and take. And it's like, you, you never know. It's when one door closes, another one opens. <laughs> but it's the reason it's a cliche saying is because it's true. It is. Um, and yeah, embracing the journey. I also want to mention specific to our career, our dance industry, it's crazy because it's not unilateral. It is, you can be, you can have the most successful jaw dropping, amazing resume. But when that contract ends, guess what? You're back in the audition room with 18 so year olds, true. you know? And so I think there's a huge bit of humility um, and kind of just self-awareness that you need to bring into your career. Um, 
to make sure that you don't get on your power trip of like, oh, well, I danced for so-and-so and I was the lead <laughs> soloist. Great, cool. We're all in the same commercial for Gap audition yeah. room in LA with 800 dancers. And I, I actually just had this experience with a good friend of mine um, who he's a great dancer and I've known he's danced for a long time, but I was like, so what, like, what did you do when you lived in New York? And he was like, oh, well, I was in moving out. I was in wicked. I was in, the, and I was like, whoa, I had no idea because he's so just humble and happy yes. to be there in the moment, which I think is a beautiful, um, I don't want to say fading trend, but I know myself included, we all get wrapped up in our phones and social media and instant gratification that sometimes we wear our resume, like a, a badge of honor. And it's like, you deserve to respect me because I've done this. Whereas that's so off putting to me. And yeah. I'd much rather flip the coin, flip the leaf, whatever the saying is, be on the other side of the spectrum where it's a pleasant surprise to be like, Oh, I have so much more earned respect for you because you are implementing all those things and skills that you learn from these incredible jobs yes. without gloating. Absolutely. And I feel like the way to use those past jobs to your advantage, if you do have a passion for teaching and choreographing, like you and I do, I use the, I use that performance experience or whatever those names are. That is like how I grant grain. What is wrong with me today? Words are hard. Gain credibility. If I want to be teaching somewhere else and people know that they can trust me, obviously tr still being a good person too. But instead of using that on like the dance, well, I've danced for this person. So I deserve this job. It's like, okay, use those credibilities for something else that can strengthen uh, your dance career in a different way. It does not need to be, you know, in the audition room with other people, because there's a lot of people who are, who are incredible dancers who are ever emerging, who are going to be more qualified than me or, or someone else, you know, it's, it's very, I love what you said about just always like kind of checking yourself. And I love what, how you mentioned your friend, just being humble. And you would have no idea they did all these things. Cause they're like, they know when to show up and, do they've learned they've applied the skills they've learned of being on three Broadway shows and this that, and the other exactly. and they're always on time and they always bring good energy and I'm like oh this is why you continue to work because yes. you're yeah implementing those real life skills instead of just being like well I have I, in the dressing room I actually sat next to <laughs> I was gonna say Adele Bazim god yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. I've been listening to Wicked all week long because yeah P.S. Congratulations, yes. Broadway. Congratulations, Wicked. Uh, anyone that's returning back to the theater, Hamilton. Uh, it's um, just... Beetlejuice is coming back next year. I am freaking out. Beetlejuice, I... Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. <sighs> you guys, <laughs> I love Beetlejuice the musical. It's literally... It's unbelievable. And when it comes out, you guys all have to see it because I think I went in and be like, this will be good. Like, I like Beetlejuice, like it's cool. And then I came out like jaw on the floor. I listen to the soundtrack <laughs> literally every week. It's so good. I like, like, I'm obsessed with it. It's so good. I can't wait to see it. Add it to your list. But yes, big yeah. congratulations to all of our friends that are returning back to their theaters, their homes. Um, big hats off to you. Yes. So, all right. Should we, um, should we dive on into our interview here with Kenny? Yeah, yeah let's do it. Let's do that. All right, guys, stick around. Kenny Borchard coming up. Don't miss it. All right, guys, you're in for a treat. We are joined by a very special guest this week. Please give a big Inside Dance podcast welcome to our dear friend and fellow Wildcat alumni, Mr. Kenny hey. Borchard. Hi, Woo! Kenny. How are hey, you? Uh, I'm so excited to be here with you. Thanks for having me. 
Of course, Kenny. I think I think the last time I saw you was when I was I just recently graduated from high school and I was doing Brockus Dance Project in downtown LA. Yes. And I met you and Leslie and Annie, and you guys were the sweetest people ever. I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to U of A next year. I'm so excited. And and you guys told me everything I needed to know. But I feel like that's the last time I saw you, right? Yeah, I think it was. And that's when I had graduated. So we actually never went to school together, but this like University of Arizona um, Wildcats Unite situation is just so strong. I run into so many former U of A dancers and they're all nailing it in the industry. So it's really excited to exciting to hear. Yeah. We're not sponsored yet by the university of Arizona, but if you're listening Tucson, we're here for you. So, um, we should write a letter to the the alumni association. We need to dear Wilbur wildcat. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. No. Well, um, Kenny, where are you joining us virtually via zoom from? So I'm joining from San Antonio, Texas, where I live. But Shut up. You know, I was just there. Did I tell you this? No. I had a gig at a, a resort called La Cantera uh, over oh. Labor Day. Literally, I was like, I, I, in my head, I thought you were um, in Dallas. I don't know. I forget that Texas is like its own country. So it's um, massive. I mean, it takes a whole day to drive east to west and north to south. So it's a, it's a big one. Yeah, we had a beautiful time and the weather was fantastic. So um Yay, we love San Antonio, but um, let's let's take it from the top. Alex, why don't you kick us off? Yes. Yeah, so, Kenny, for our listeners, tell us where you're from and a little bit about your dance background. So, I grew up in Simi Valley, California, um, and went to a smaller competition studio there. Um, I started dancing at nine, and then uh, went away to Idlewild Arts Academy, where I got like the real training that I needed. Um, and then I went to University of Arizona and then danced professionally after that. Uh, Kenny, I did Idlewild Arts uh, camp when I was <laughs> so young and I did. So the, we have the same track. Yeah, we have the same track. It's crazy. And um, it's a good even, one. It yeah. It seems to have worked for us. Yeah. And I did actually, I didn't do the dance portion. I did the musical theater um, for that oh, summer for the two weeks. And I remember everyone, everyone in the thing was like, why aren't you doing the dance one? Because like you're a dancer and like, I, why I are you like, singing? Yeah. They were like, <laughs> you're so bad at singing. No, but it's so crazy. And even reading through your resume, when we were prepping for this, we have so many of the same kind of paths. And I, um, teach at Pasadena dance theater. I'm their jazz teacher. Oh, right now my too. And I, I know it's crazy. That's how, fantastic. All the, wait, all the okay. Weeks non-California muggle question here. Um, what can you explain briefly, either Kenny or Alex, what Idlewild is? Kenny. Yeah, so it's a, uh, so I went for the year-round program and then they also have a summer program, uh, but it's a small dance conservatory or small arts conservatory, 260 kids total. Uh, but there was only, I want to say like 18 in the dance department. So, and wow. then that was split into two classes. So we got a lot of very intense um, one-on-one attention. And that is where I really, that's where I started taking ballet five days a week. I went from a jazz studio taking ballet one hour a week to taking ballet five days a week and taking jazz one day a week. So it was a major shift, but it was obviously um, very, very crucial to the setting up the foundation that allowed me to have a professional career. 
It's amazing. And, and Taylor, it's in the middle of the woods. Um, kind oh, of when sold. you're, okay. when you're driving from like <laughs> LA to Palm Springs, you kind of pass by the turn you would normally go, um, go to the mountains and it's absolutely beautiful. That's yeah. amazing. 45 minutes up on this mountain, 5,000 yeah. feet. It's, it's a really beautiful, like oasis. Yeah. It sounds really ugly and not inspiring. So <laughs> bummer. bummer you had to spend a lot of time there, but, um, okay. So let's continue on this Kenny journey. So, um, Post University of Arizona, uh, where did life take you? Let's talk about some of your early jobs and your transition out of college. Yeah, so I my first real job I was every um, every Christmas I would do like between two and four productions of The Nutcracker because that's just what I did and that was a really strong way to make money. Um, but then my first real job was uh, on a cruise ship, and so I traveled. Um, to Alaska, to Bora Bora, to Tahiti. Oh, wow. I mean, it was pretty incredible, uh, the places we got to go. Um, but that job was really uh, a great way for me to save a lot of money and then go back to LA and be able to stay there for a long time yeah. and not have to get a side job. So I could really focus on networking and auditioning. And that's kind of what led to all the other things that allowed me to actually be a professional full-time. Of course. It's such good advice for everybody, uh, everybody out there, especially the cruise ship job. It's like you said, it's such a great way to rack in that money and then spend that time performing. And then you're prepared to go do something else. So I love when people always bring that up naturally because it is super important. It's amazing. Yeah, and the performance aspect was like, you you never have an opportunity as a student to perform three days a week, mm-hmm. like six six shows a week. We we Isn't would it... do two shows in one night. Mm-hmm. So, um, Isn't it crazy? I think about that all the time, like how quickly you switch from like your pre-professional life of like, example, in college, you're like, you work all semester for your one showcase and you get one weekend of shows. Maybe if you're lucky, you're in the cast that does it twice. Or like growing up, mm-hmm. um, you at competition studios, you rehearse these competition numbers at nauseum over and over again. And then maybe do like four or five competitions. Mm-hmm. Whereas like in the professional world, it's beautiful that we're like, cool, I get 10 shows a week or cool. I'm performing, you know, yeah. at, at such a, a, uh, a higher volume and higher capacity. And, um, I don't know, I always and just geek out how we go from like zero to 60 so quick. And it's like, boom, you're a professional. And <laughs> even at U of A though, there was lots of, they perform more than most college programs. You know, they did six shows a year plus, cause there was always the grads, grad shows and things like that too. So even at U of A, we, we are even more spoiled than a lot of other programs that only maybe do two shows a semester, maybe, maybe. So that's incredible. Right. But then when you think about like for competition, you are on stage for two and a half minutes. Yeah. Right. 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 And then you go to college and then you're on stage for 10 minutes, minutes, like six times a year. Sometimes 30. Yeah. (laughs) And And then you're on stage for 50 minutes without like stopping moving two times a night. So it's just a really big shift, um, which was so helpful in going back to then auditioning. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about your transition, uh, moving to Texas and talking about Joffrey, Texas, but before we do, what was one of your fave 
favorite fave. Oh my gosh. I'm just shortening words over here. Your favorite, (laughs) your fave, your favorite gigs or jobs that you did, um, you know, in between cruise ships and then in between where you are now, what was one of the things that was the most fun or interesting or weird? (laughs) So one of my favorite jobs was dancing at, uh, Aladdin and musical spectacular at California adventure. Um, I was in the, the show ran for 13 years and I was in the final cast. Um, and so we were performing for 2000 people four times a day. I got to ride the magic carpet. I was flying and I got paid to listen to a whole new world. I mean, what more could you want? That sounds so fun. Also, California yeah, Adventure is the best. California Adventure is where it's at. <laughs> Shameless plug. Yeah, it's not as crowded as Disneyland. Shout out to California Adventure. <laughs> Shout out. So fun. That's so, yeah, that, that literally just sounds fun. So congratulations on that. Um, I'm curious. So uh, how long have you been in Texas now? How many years? So uh, I've lived in Texas for since November, um, but oh. I've been the oh, director of Joffrey, Texas for five years now. So this is wow. going into the sixth season. So Joffrey, Texas is a um, event-based program. So it's not mm-hmm. a full year round um, program. So we've had the opportunity to live in LA and New York and be in bigger environments that so that we have the inside scoop to then share with our students here in Texas. Did you reach out to them? Um, or are you part, how did this become, how did you become a part of it? (laughs) Is the short way of saying. Good question. Yeah. So, um, my husband, Marl is, uh, came to this program as a student, uh, and then danced for the Joffrey Ballet and then was always coming back to the program to teach. Um, And so he was naturally the person to take over the program. And so a couple of years before he took over, the the contemporary teacher moved on. And so they needed a contemporary teacher. And so I filled in first as the contemporary teacher. uh, And then as the uh, kind of reins started to be handed over, Mauro took it over and then I became the co-director. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Congrats. You, yeah. You bring up a good point about how you started filling in. And I just want to say that louder for the people in the back. Cause it's, it, that's, I feel like we always, you know, we reach out to different programs and studios and we want to, you know, have, you know, that bring me on to teach full time and do all these things. But a lot of times you just have to jump in where you can fill in and then not necessarily prove yourself, but kind of prove yourself. And then people yeah. realize that you're an asset that they can't live without. And it's almost like Absolutely. this weird, weird audition process, but it's an audition process where you're getting paid still. So I think it's good. I, I, I think it's important for dancers to realize, okay, just because, you know, you're not doing it full time doesn't mean anything like just fill in and show off not show off, but show what you can bring to the table. And then you never know if you take those opportunities where they come, you never know where it can lead you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I didn't see myself as taking over the director of the program, yeah. but the that's just how it naturally progressed. And um, it was, it makes the most sense. I love what I do and I love teaching and having the opportunity to like build the curriculum of what students get to experience and understanding how vastly different that is Mm -hmm. at different programs and being able to like target on the goals of Joffrey, Texas is just really um, exciting to do daily. 
That's huge. Um, I didn't realize that that you guys not working remote, but like you said, it's event based. So uh, you did have chances to live in these other places. But I want to go back to my question, which uh, was uh, regarding Texas. And what I was trying to say is, or let me say this in a story. So our good friend, who I'm sure you may know, Kelsey Walsh, um, she also U of A alumni, uh, lives in Austin, Texas. And she, I remember she was very hesitant she was living in LA doing the hustle, like, um, uh, freelancing, dancing, modeling. And she had this big hesitation of like, well, if I move away from LA, I'm going to move away from work and opportunity. And uh, I don't know. And now fast forward two plus years and she's been in Austin and she's like, I was so wrong. I had so many apprehensions, but she's like, you can dance anywhere. You can work anywhere. Mm-hmm. You can gig anywhere. So I'm doing a terrible job of telling this, uh, question slash story in order, but my question for you is, did you feel those same apprehensions and did you feel any sort of similar outcomes from leaving a quote unquote major dance city to move to San Antonio? Hmm. So I, as I moved to San Antonio, I had already decided I was done professionally performing. Mm. Um, and so I didn't have that necessarily apprehension. Um, but when I first took over, I was already, I was still in LA and New York. Um, so, but I understand, I definitely understand her apprehension. And like, I would say moving to San Antonio is different than moving to Austin mm-hmm. as far as the amount of opportunities there are for dancers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question. As- yeah, 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 absolutely. It definitely does. And I think, yeah, you bring up a good point of uh, making those transitions when you're in the thick of your career versus if you know you're like, okay, I'm ready to transition more into directorship or mentorship or teaching. That's a huge factor. Um, but okay, very interesting and, to know. So, and Texas sorry, also uh, has like kick teachers, kick dancers. Texas has like, there's so many. Well, when you're your own continent, there's so many. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, I mean, so many people from just our graduating class, like everybody's like, I'm from Texas, I'm from Texas, I'm from Texas. I was like, yeah. Hi, everyone. <laughs> That's Seven amazing. Lakes, totally. I was going to say, so um, what is one thing that you've noticed um, over your time at Joffrey, both as a fill-in teacher to full-time to a co-director, one thing that you've noticed, maybe a, one good thing, one bad thing, one trend that you've seen in the younger dance generation that you love and that you're like, mm, I don't know, check that one out. Good question. So when I first took over, like I was teaching kids how to roll to the floor, like mm-hmm. even touching the floor was like a very scary thing uh, or like dancing on the floor was a very scary thing. And as I've continued to teach through the program over the past, I think now six or seven years, it like we do the roll to start and then we like go into all this more intricate floor work. So that's very exciting to see that trend of like ballet dancers only do ballet and never touch the floor to ballet dancers are now touching the floor because every contemporary, every ballet company is also doing contemporary work, which requires floor work. And Mm -hmm. so seeing that um, progression has been really um, beautiful and exciting to be able to dig in even further, right? Like when you're, the difference between teaching a role to the floor to like teaching an intricate combination that incorporates floor work those are two wildly different things so um as far as a a negative trend uh 
I don't know right now. That's great. That's great. <laughs> we love that nothing yeah. comes to the forefront. <laughs> That's amazing. And so, well, and I also will say that like we're a three week program. So these dancers come and are very excited to work with us. And uh-huh. like, mm-hmm. so it, it's not the every day at your dance studio. And then like the, everyone's very excited to be here. So that energy best behavior ambitious excited for life yeah exactly you're just focusing on on the work and the movement and not necessarily motivating people to show up everybody is there to show up and and wants to be there sidebar everyone should be like that everyone should pretend they're on a three-week uh Uh, intensive attitude always uh, bring that energy. So yeah, people like Kenny or like your instructors can focus on the work and rather than like, Erica, get off your phone, you know? So uh-huh. lead the, lead the way with that, uh, with that three week ambition energy. <laughs> um, yeah. I've never told Erica to get off the phone before. <laughs> and- Good job, Erica. <laughs> I love that you brought up how you were teaching them how to roll to the floor because a lot, I, I do feel a lot of very, you know, technically trained dancers and just young dancers in general, we're, we have a fear of the floor and it's so important to teach them the how The floor to... is your friend, everyone. The floor is your we friend. We love the floor yes. 2021. <laughs> I totally understand that. Well, I want to dive in uh, and have you kind of educate uh, myself and I think Taylor as well about cultivating mm-hmm. better tomorrows. Can you tell us what that is and kind of the mission of that and your involvement with that? Uh, Cultivating Better Tomorrows began when Eric Lynette Edwards stole my valentine. Mauro and Erica went to dinner on February 14th, and that's where it all began. Mauro and Erica danced at the Joffrey Ballet for many years, and Erica went on to direct the community engagement department for five years after retiring from professional dancing. She then was telling Mauro about the trainings that she was developing uh, for the teachers that are teaching for the community engagement department and wanted them to be more informed. And Mauro just said, you need to be doing this for more people. Uh, mm-hmm. So I started kind of offering advice as far as building a website, building a social media presence and all of that. And then delved, then got deeper into the actual work of diversity, equity, and inclusion and realized that it's something I've always really cared for and can contribute to. So how... Tell us about the details about how you learn about diversity and how you learn to implement that into a program. Kind of this, not even the step-by-step, but what do you start with that? What do you start with that? And what's the learning process with that? Because I think definitely, you know, for me being a very, you know, privileged white woman, especially being a dancer and like a mainly, uh, mainly female driven, not driven, but participating, uh, uh, art form, I feel like I, I've been, had my eyes closed and blind to, you know, the lack of diversity and, and definitely becoming more aware of it and realizing there needs to be opportunities for people, but it's easier said than done. So really trying to outreach into the community. How do you even go about that? Yeah. So we, uh, so Erica has been running anti-racism training since 2017. Mm-hmm. And so in, after starting our company, the George Floyd murder happened and there was a real need for uh, anti-racism trainings. Mm -hmm. And so that's where we started. Um, And just by defining what 
diversity, what uh, race, and what all all of the terms that allow us to get have shared language mm-hmm. to then have a deeper conversation on how these all these coded words then like happen in real time, right? Mm-hmm. So totally, you have to know um, the definition of what you're talking about and its context in society before you can make any sort of shift or change. Like, where are we now? What are we assessing? What are we talking about? And I think even then that opens up a lot of people's eyes of like, oh, I didn't realize that's what racism was, or I didn't realize that's what lack of diversity or lack of visibility is. And just even starting at that as a base is really important. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, for example, diversity is often used to describe race, but it it means so many other things. And so we're trying to use these opportunities to uh, educate people so that they understand when they're saying the word, the word diversity, it's not just meaning race. Interesting. That makes, yeah, absolutely. And I, I love what you said about uh, bringing up the word language because it is very important and it's not difficult. It's not difficult to do. It's just about educating and, and unlearning and replacing poor habits with better ones. And so that everybody's in a rehearsal and everybody's in a class and they feel and they feel spoken for and seen and like they're going to have those opportunities presented to them through cultivating better tomorrows. That is a separate program that maybe other dance programs can reach out to you and say, we want to have your education in our programs or is it just for Joffrey, Texas? Is that, that was a horrible Good question. question. So okay, yeah, good. <laughs> cultivating better tomorrows and Joffrey, Texas are separate entities. Got it. But we use Joffrey, Texas kind of as the um, like incubator to test out like how to make, like to prove that these things work and can happen. Mm -hmm. Right. So we have already, I mean, we have already shifted to where students can wear tights of their, that match their skin tone. We are offer, we're offering dorms for non-binary students. We're, uh, we have a non-binary dress code. We're so we're we're hoping to be the example to other organizations to say not only does this work, but it actually allows students to thrive in their environments. That's incredible. And absolutely now that, bravo. Yeah, now that you say that, you know, I cut out uh with my language, with my students, I don't call anyone ladies or guys or men. I, I I address everybody as they and them. And very like those non-binary pronouns I use almost for everybody, unless someone comes to me and says, I'd rather you uh, refer to me as this. And these are my pronouns and X, Y, and Z. But I've gotten better as a teacher, just making sure everybody feels included in that way. And it maybe took me one class to get that down. I was like, okay, cool. I am, I'm going to make sure everybody feels, feels good about this. And I'm not calling someone out and then making them feel uncomfortable. And I think that's good for all teachers to, to kind of. Absolutely. uh, And, and like, I just think back to my training and how like the subtle, you need to dance more like a guy, you need to dance more strong, you need to dance more of this, right? Where there, there is such a binary in dance and styling that is really unnecessary and leaves so many people out. Mm-hmm. And so if we can just think a little bit more about how what we're creating, what we're sharing, and 
who we're including or excluding by making those choices, we have so much more of an opportunity to invite more people in. Absolutely. And you bring up a good point, Kenny, that I'm sure you can relate to, but already kind of being at, uh, swimming, uh, not swimming uphill, going uphill, swimming upstream is the word I was looking for. As a male dancer, uh, there's already, you're in such kind of a sensitive environment to where if then you're being branded with this idea of like toxic hypermasculinity of like, oh, you have to be the man, you have to be macho, you can't dance like the girls, you have to do this. It really can kind of like scar you uh, moving forward. Um, but again, it's one of those things that I think that is just what the generation before us, that's all they knew. And so- right. And when you know better, you do better. Mm-hmm. Like that's totally. our main motto at Cultivating Better Tomorrows. When you know better, you do better, right? So we're sharing these inf- this information with people in a really accessible way so that the so that their students aren't having the same experiences we were having. Because I know that I was harmed by my dance training in a lot of ways. I also got some really great things out of it, but there was so much unlearning that I needed to do um, that I want to prevent other people from having to do. Totally. Yeah. And sidebar, that wasn't a read towards any particular dance teacher, I should say. I love my dance teachers. I love all of my training, but it's definitely something that can be easily overlooked as quote unquote normal. But continuing in that light, I'm curious, what are your kind of personal opinions of where diversity and inclusion are heading now in 2021? Um, my, the first thing that comes to mind is the Broadway and theater community because they tend to be uh, more vocal and visible about visibility. But across the board, whether it's classical, whether it's concert, whether it's theater, um, what are your thoughts and opinions on the way things are evolving? I think the racial reckoning of 2020 was much needed. And that time, like we can't go back into any into what was. And mm-hmm. so now we're actively traversing through what is to be, right? So the leaders of our time right now must think about how they can actively include students, right? And so I think it's it's not necessarily where are we going in a like out there kind of way, but like where am I driving this car to, right? Like, mm-hmm. How can I actively participate in contributing to a more safe, safe and welcoming environment for students to be in? That's amazing. I mean, we need we need more people like you, but honestly, it's just like you said, we don't want to go back there and we can't go back there. It would look really stupid. It's like that uh, that saying about history repeating itself which happens all the time, but I would love to be a part of a world that doesn't let history repeats itself. And we actually, actually make changes into something that is better. So with that being being said, I know that you've told me a little bit about your new program that you've started. Um, So tell us a little bit about that and how new and fresh it is. So this is outside of Cultivating Better Tomorrow's. So this is, so this is part of Cultivating Better Tomorrow's. Amazing. Okay. And it is, uh, we created an online course because one of the big things that we were um, coming up against uh, after we were in the Dance Magazine article, uh, our article, Anti-Racism in Dance, we were contacted by a lot of places trying to set up trainings, but they're just what, like they couldn't get their whole studio 
in the same room at the same time. Right. And so we thought and you throw in a pandemic. So, <laughs> and then you throw in the global pandemic. Yeah. Um, so we thought, thought to ourselves, okay, how can we make this accessible to as many people as possible? And so we don't have any experience in creating online courses, but we have created a beautiful online course called Cultural Awareness for Dance Educators. And that starts with defining diversity, equity, and inclusion, and why are all three parts are so important. And then Erica goes into kind of specific categories, going over how to use pronouns, going over consent, the importance of consent, how to address different hairstyles and textures, honoring everyone's name, inclusive costuming, and so much more. So we, mm. we know that there are a lot of people that want to do better, but just don't know how. And mm. this is the exact resource that we collaborated on to make sure that there is a, now you can't say it's not available. Am I able to download this? Am I able to um, purchase this course? Yes. So you go to cultivatingbettertomorrows.org and uh, it's right there on the website, cultural awareness for dance educators. And um, it's a, it's a two hour course and uh, it's a hundred dollars. Amazing. We'll definitely have that information uh, listed in our description below for any listeners that may be interested as well. But I think that's incredible. And especially um, kind of just boldly going out there and like, hey, we've never done an online course, but this is important and we're passionate about it. Props to you guys. Like, I'm so excited to, to test out the waters and, and see what it's all about. I love that you said yeah. now we have a resource so people can't say it's not out there. I no love, excuses. I love that. The no excuses thing. That's incredible. Yeah. So um, I, I can't wait to see um, where that continues to develop. You know, I, I picture us having like a, reu- a reunion episode in one year and you're like, yeah, now we have a full like 10 part series uh, <laughs> online because um, I have full faith that will continue to flourish. But I want to shift gears slightly and go back to Joffrey, Texas. Um, what is kind of the three-year plan? What what do you see um, as as new and upcoming, or things you're looking forward to as far as the direction with the company? Good question. So, um, jo- with Joffrey, Texas, we are not associated with uh, the Joffrey Ballet School based out of New York or the company. Mr. Joffrey started this program and really wanted it to be its own entity. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have have really focused on in this past year is we're going to go to a lot of more rural areas to reach dancers who don't have access to the metropolitan areas um, and work with those dancers and let them know that they are valuable and mm-hmm. have a place to go. Right. Um, and so we're focused on building a program where students can come and not only learn technique and dance, but learn more about themselves and feel a little bit more comfortable in their skin. That's like our main goal. And with every teacher that we hire, that is really thought about. And um, a lot goes into making sure we're creating the environment that we want so that our students can thrive in that environment. You're very dedicated to finding teachers and creating, like you said, an environment where I think the people think, oh, you're a dance teacher. You're just teaching how to do tendus and you're teaching how to do a plie. And it's so 
it's so much more than that. It's so much of how you are as a human and can you really make a difference? And I love what you said about making sure the kids feel comfortable in their own skin, which is just so important to teach that when they're younger and their, their brain is still learning and programming and you're just learning to, you know, work work hard and have discipline, but also, like you said, feel comfortable in your own skin. And I absolutely love that. And when I judge dance competitions, I hear from other judges I'll meet, they, you know, live in more rural areas and they say, I don't know how to get, you know, these teachers from New York or LA or Vegas or Georgia. I don't know how to get them all to to me. And it's kind of difficult to even, plant those seeds because they might, those teachers might have another opportunity that they feel is quote unquote, uh, better for them. And so I think those studios and dancers in those rural areas really struggle with that. So it's amazing that you kind of have that direct sight line to be catering to them. Yeah. And we, so we have been reaching out to a lot of studios, but are also open to studios reaching out to Joffrey, Mm -hmm. Texas to, Uh, bring in our in-studio experience because we want students to come to us already kind of having an idea of what we do and the environment that we create. So we want to go to their their studio where they feel really comfortable um, and then can kind of introduce ourselves and what we do and then they can choose to come. No, like I think a lot of students just sign up for a summer program and Mm -hmm. don't really know what they're getting themselves into. So we're trying to get rid of that and um, do like a meet and greet and in studio, like here's what we're about. (laughs) So if you're listening, studio owners um, or maybe even dance teachers, uh, definitely check out this opportunity. If you're in the Texas area, which as we've established is a continent. So there's so many opportunities, so many (laughs) studios there. but we're also, that you reach we, out. so we just drove to LA and we're driving to Atlanta next week. So oh, we're actually on a literal continent, not just the yeah. Texas giant, but the whole country. So edit nationwide. If you're interested in getting more opportunity about this, we will definitely have their info listed in the description below. So check it out. I picture like a Joffrey, Texas tour bus. <laughs> totally. Beep, beep. We've actually <laughs> thought about like getting a schoolie and like taking it on the road for real, but I don't know if we're quite ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's in the three-year plan. Got it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kenny, I'm so, so excited to hear everything that you have going on. Um, and I'm so thrilled for, I think the evolution uh, or the revolution of dance and education and inclusion and diversity that we are on the cusp of that you're spearheading. So um, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to share your story um, and your resources with us today. Um, If for our listeners, uh, if they want to keep up with you on social media, or if you have a website, what's the best way to do that? So joffreytexas.com at joffreytexas on Instagram, uh, cultivatingbettertomorrows.org or cultivatingbettertomorrows on Instagram. Amazing. I have no doubt uh, to see this completely grow and flourish even more than it already has. I have no doubt because I think everybody just really truly wants to be better. And so now they have this amazing resource where they can do so. So thank you so much for sharing everything with us today. And yeah, I'm sure we'll have a reunion very, very soon. Totally. Kenny, before you go, educate us. It's your fifth class of the day. You're tired. Hit us with that (laughs) Starbucks order that keeps you going through the studio. (laughs) I always get uh, a venti 
cold brew, almond milk with two pumps of white mocha. Are we the oh! same person? <laughs> <laughs> That's my exact order. I'm sorry, I just blew out the mic, but wow, like, <laughs> you have great taste. Also, I get nervous when I was like, I was like re going through the questions for today, and I was like, what if he doesn't drink Starbucks? Because you never know. Like some people are like, yeah, but I'm, I'm a been, coffee bean person. Yeah, but all dancers, <laughs> I feel like all dancers, like we are. We are Starbucks. <laughs> it's in the contract. Totally. It's in the contract. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Well, my fellow venti cold brew, two pumps, white mocha, almond <laughs> milk friend, Kenny Borchard, thank you so much for joining us again today. And we wish you well. Yeah.